Hello and welcome to the Spectator Books podcast. I'm Sam Leith, literary editor of The Spectator, and this week, summer gets underway, we're going to talk about summer reading, that endlessly vexed question of what you should or shouldn't take on your holiday. And to that end, I'm joined by two friends, Alex Clark, a former editor of Granta and one of our most prolific and brilliant literary critics, star of stage and screen, and somebody who's more across current fiction than anybody else I know, pretty much. And also Damien Barr, the host of London's most glamorous literary salon at the Savoy, and a memoirist and novelist in his own right as well. Damien, Alex, welcome. Now, Alex, let's start with you. I mean, I want to just begin by talking about what, you know, we always talk about summer reads. What do you think a summer read constitutes? Is it the opportunity to go and take the difficult classics that you never got to grips with in your school days, or do you just take trash? Well, you can take the difficult classics you never got to in your school days or any other time since. I mean, we all do, don't we? We always put something. I mean, there I am with life and fate in my suitcase every single year. But does it come out? It does not. Patricia Highsmith does instead. I did once take one book when I was interrailing. I mean, The Pretension of Youth. I took Don Quixote round Europe in a rucksack at the age of, like, 19. And I had to read it because there was nothing else. But, you know, that's that's about it. That's I, I've never the pre-kindle age. Exactly. Never fallen for that again. No, I've had some disasters myself. I once... I thought, oh, Theodore Adorno seems like a really interesting thinker, so I'll take the culture industry with me on holiday. And, my God, it was dull. I mean, I just sort I of... mean, what were you actually expecting, though? Well, I'd read him as explained by Terry Eagleton and he sounded terribly interesting and then I realised he can't write for Toffee or perhaps perhaps he can write really well in German. But... I think you need Jeff Dyer, a great traveller. Yes. You need him here. He is. He loves a bit of Adorno. I know he does. And he would that's... probably breathe life into him. But that's you. his basic perversity, I think. <laughs> but Damien, have you ever had any notable disasters or overreachings? I think taking the New York trilogy, Oster's The New York Trilogy, to New York and thinking it would be a kind of upbeat, fun... New York book was pretty bad. And I've also taken endless copies of Ulysses with me on various holidays and thinking, you know, this is the time where I'm finally going to be able to descend into that that rhythm and that world. And, and no, no, it still hasn't been finished. With the long books are one of the problems, isn't it? You have to calibrate quite well. I mean, I took David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest on holiday with me and it was great and I loved it. And I got about two thirds of the way through and then the holiday ended. And it took me about another year to finish it. <laughs> yes, yeah. You need you long is good, but it's got to be pacey and zingy. And actually, this is one of my Franzen theories. One of my many Franzen theories that you no doubt long to hear is that he is just perfect for the holiday because chunky, but not that complicated. Yes, no, that's a good good recommendation. And we should try and offer some recommendations, new, old, and. Other. Maybe, Damien, what are you What are you thinking you're going to pack this year or you'd recommend our listeners pack? I think you need variety in terms of length. And that my great terror is going on holiday and not having enough to read or being overfaced or just not having choice. Not having choice is the great fear. So very often I will ship my books ahead so that I don't have to <laughs> so take them. Grand. And a sort of no, carriage I, trunk I, I carried by really native You just order them online and have them delivered to your hotel and they'll be <laughs> waiting for you. It's the best thing in the world. And uh, then you don't have to, you know, kind of worry about it. So, yeah, anyway. So Every that's day good. I want to be a bit more Damien. <laughs> <laughs> so, for me, I want to be very absorbed in my, in my summer read. I want something, a world that I can kind of be in that isn't the world that I'm normally in. I think The Sport of Kings by C.E. Morgan is a great summer read because it's a huge American epic. It's set in Kentucky. I can't believe I'm actually recommending a book that's ostensibly about breeding horses. 
but you know it's actually really all about the you know the landscape of America and of a particular family and all the intersections that happen in this family over time. So um, yes, because it's the South, we have all those Southern Gothic tropes of you know incest and secrets and drama. It's all there, but it's 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 a great big book and um, it's pretentious and portentous and dense and it doesn't always work, but it's kind of you know, a sort of kind of gone with the wind style epic. And I think I definitely would, would pack that. It's the absorption factor, really, isn't it? Yeah. That's what that's what you need. Exactly. Actually, yeah. just, just Damien mentioning horses and sea, Morgan there, has made me think of Jane Smiley, who I think is a brilliant oh, holiday read because from sort of start to finish, she does actually have a book about horses. I can't remember what it's called now. It's called something like Horses, isn't it? Or Horse Hello or something. Horse <laughs> something Heaven! Like it's called Horse, Horse Heaven. Heaven. Right. Horse Heaven. But her A Thousand Acres, for example, her sort of rewriting of, of Leah and also just her Ten Days in the Hills, hilarious book. I think she is really absorbing wasn't but she, really smart. Also, hasn't she just done a colossal trilogy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah that's the last hundred of, years, I think it's If you've called. got a really yeah. long holiday, you can Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, sequential books are good, aren't they? Yes, yes exactly. Sequences are good. Yeah, I remember reading the Melrose novels, not particularly uplifting on a holiday, but completely absorbing in that same way, knowing that you've got another one. We'll make you think that the people you're with are nicer. <laughs> anyone is going to be nicer than anyone in those books. <laughs> exactly, than everyone. And they're being adapted now, aren't they? Lovely David yeah, Nichols they are. They are. For the screen. I have to confess, I have a real weakness for, if not quite trash, at least... A holiday to me is is a time to read crime fiction and adventures and thrillers and things like that. So the two yeah. two standbys for me, which unfortunately I've now run out of, are Lee Child and Robert B. Parker. I mean, there's a new Child novel every year, but he's just published a collection of the Jack Reacher short stories, No Middle Name, which will keep us going till the new one in the autumn. And that's they're all exactly the same in which, you know, Jack Reacher turns up somewhere. You know, he's a super tough ex-military policeman. The baddies you know, stumble across his way and he just wipes them all out systematically. He's completely invulnerable. There should be no narrative tension at all and yet it's bliss. Um, and Robert B. Parker, whose Spencer novels are about a super tough Boston private eye, again, there's dozens of them. They're all the same. They're all kind of diffusion line Chandler and they're all bliss. Isn't it also the case that there is no holiday villa and possibly even the hotel where there is not a Lee Child. That's true, which also so saves you on your packing. you're never going to be without it saves a packing. Exactly, you can always just go. It's like going on holiday to the same place over and over and eating the same food in the same restaurant. So there is a pleasure in that, the really comforting pleasure. There is the, the rental holiday cottage bookshelf, which always has. <laughs> which I always end up reading my way through, actually. Exactly. It's there's always all, very various. There's always a few 1970s favourites, like sort of Eric Vandelspader and so Papillon. Like yes, Papillon's <laughs> always The seagull, there. the seagull. <laughs> I mean, do you have a weakness of trash or are you always high-minded? No, I'm, I'm always very... I'm omnivorous. I go up and I go down. I will often take a reread with me because I know that, you know, I know that it's going to be good. And Forever Amber is one of my all-time favourite rereads. Or I might take a Georgette Hare or something that's a kind of a Regency romp that I know I will enjoy if all else fails. But, you know, I'm, I'm not immune to a, an embossed airport Thriller. I did used to love a Jackie Collins and a Jeffrey Archer in my day, in my teens. I thought that may be quite sophisticated, actually. I certainly did. But do you bring <laughs> them back as well? I mean, you, you're having a whole cabin trunk full of stuff shipped ahead. Suggests that you're going to have to have it shipped back afterwards. Or do you choose no, books that you know you can discard? True. I will leave stuff that I don't like 
or or that I know I'm never going to look at again, and I will carry back the stuff that that I like. And I, I mean, it's usually paperbacks. It's not it's not hardbacks that I would do that with. But the other advantage is if you know if you're going to America on holidays, you can get stuff that before it comes out here. That's quite satisfying as well. But I mean, I like memoir too. I'm I'm looking forward to reading Maggie O'Farrell's memoir. I am, I am, I am. Her seventeen brushes with death. I think that's going to be completely gripping. You know how she survived this childhood illness and all the way up to her the terrible labour that she nearly died during. So I think you know a great a great memoir as gripping as a brilliant. Novel. And she's known as a good novelist as well. So yeah, and memoirs appealing. Do you take memoir? Uh, yes, I do. And actually, I was thinking, because we also have the other thing that's great fun on holiday, something that's dippable, something that you're not going to read totally straight through necessarily or don't have to. And so I'm thinking of David Sedaris' Theft by Finding, which oh, it, lovely. It, it's just so funny and so wonderful. And also, despite the fact that you've you know read him all these years, actually genuinely surprising. He makes all this work out of his biography, but actually his letters and diaries in the raw are kind of amazing actually so that's yeah, I mean it is a chunky American old Alan book Bennett almost, yeah, isn't it, yeah, you know? yeah yeah um, yeah and those, those Alan Bennett books are always good to take as well yes that got... kind of thing that's a bit dippable but yes I've actually noticed I say this as if I alone have noticed everyone has noticed this sort of crossover true crime memoiry kind of genre fact of a body yes. is something that yes. I know yes yeah. so excited to read that I read it actually on a week away and it was just it was so absorbing was um, it but really, really good. Is this I, I Maria... hardly. It's Alexandria. Alexandria. Lesnovich, I think. Ah, that's right. I no, think I have right, yes. that right. And it is. It's this story about her investigating the murder of a child, a cold case of a, of a convicted killer, and trying to kind of establish moral guilt in a way, and also then delving back into her own biography and her own very traumatic upbringing. So it's kind of an amazing, amazing read. But I noticed there are so many books that are on that kind of crossover. You think of Maggie Nelson, Helen Garner, uh, and yeah. it is that sort of slight way round of you know just reading a thriller, as it were. Yeah, well, I mean, another sort of researchy, not quite a research memoir, but a, a memoir by a novelist that seems to have attracted huge plaudits is Richard Beard's novel, yes, The Day I That Disappeared, read it yet. Yes. which in yeah. Richard Beard's very well established and very admired novelist, and it's a memoir about the loss of his brother to drowning on a family holiday, which maybe doesn't make it an ideal holiday read from that point of view, but. It sounds extraordinary the way he has circled in his fiction this Mm. kind of buried trauma and has never actually kind of gone back and excavated. And I think he was in his late 40s and he suddenly realised this is something I haven't dealt with and I need to go back and look at it and understand it, which sounds traumatic and kind of gripping in equal measure. I tell you what we haven't talked about yet, and it is important, is reading on the plane. Depending on where, like, where you're flying and how long you've got, there's nothing worse than being stuck on the plate because you can't you know you can't download anything to your phone or, or your kindle or whatever it is so you do i do plan my plane reading and i like a book that i can read in its entirety on the plane so that it's a sort of experience so you need something around the 200 page mark but also quite light in tone yeah or or, or quite intense because i know that i can associate it with the experience i'm getting off the plane oh i can slightly leave that behind i read reunion 
by Fred Ullman. This It's a reissued book. I think it was written in the 1950s. And it's about two German schoolboys, middle-class Hans and aristocratic Conradin, and this friendship that they have. And what and it's basically a story of two lives, but told over maybe, what, 150 pages? Something, at the very most. And it is beautiful and brutal and you know it just it's a real experience and you it's it has it leaves you with the same feeling of having read a 500 page novel but you know super condensed like one of those future you know in the future people have vitamin pills instead of having a whole meal it's the sort of equivalent of that and um and it's a fantastic novel and if you do read it don't read the foreword because it's full of spoilers um, oh, and good put your hands over the last page because you don't want to jump ahead to the ending because you do need to read to the last line. I'm not great at reading on planes, I have to say. I'm a bit of a magazine scanner. But if you get something like The New Yorker and there's a really good short story in it, that, yeah. can, that can sometimes do it. Both of you seem to be kind of dead tree books people for, for holiday. I mean, what there is does seem to me to be a kind of argument that, you know, what with current luggage allowance... Mm. this is the time to use your Kindle. I mean, I see a lot of people posting on social media in a very humble, braggy way, saying, I'm going away for a long weekend. Are these books going to be enough? And there's a pile of sort of 12 books. And you think, well, (laughs) you're not flying Ryanair, dearie. (laughs) They haven't got the the Damien Barr patented solution (laughs) to to the luggage allowance. Well, it worked. You're going to try that and you're going to be so grateful for that. I know, I am. I love it. I love the idea. I have to say, I am not, I read on Kindle, but I perhaps understandably associate it more with work, things that you need to suddenly read, things that you need to read when you're on the go. But I do understand how useful they are, and I pretty much always take one or equivalent device because you just want it as a backup. But I do prefer, there's something luxurious about reading a dead tree book, as you say. There's just something really, I even take hardbacks, I don't care. And they are also licensed at that point to get sun oil on them and all that sort of thing. Well, exactly. If you fall asleep Mm. on the beach, you're you're definitely higher status if it's clear that it's an open paperback that's made the suntan mark on your chest (laughs) rather than Kindle. (laughs) And also you then see what everybody else is reading. How is that working with a Kindle? Not yeah, so that's well. really hard. I don't like. I don't have a Kindle, and I don't like to read on my phone unless it's for work. And because I then see how many emails I've got while I'm away on holiday, and that just totally stresses me out. So I'd rather just take a, a pile of books and have a big choice. I mean, I'm not going to read them all. I know I'm not going to read them all, but I also know I'm not going to be faced with the panic and terror of not potentially having the right thing to read at the right time. Agreed, agreed. And you also become a bit popular on holiday because every other person's brought one book and then they don't like it, inevitably. So you yes. sort of set up a little shop and everyone lending loves library, exactly. Lending library, Lending yes. library. <laughs> no, that, that thing of bittiness, though, I mean, I was going to say something that occurred to me, quite, quite good to read travel books while you're travelling. So Andrew Solomon's Far and Away, which is a wonderful collection of essays called subtitled How Travel Can Change the World. And Andrew Solomon's sort of American essayist who wrote um, yes. Far From the Tree about parenthood and his written about depression in, I think, was it called The Noonday Demon? Yes, um, yeah. And this is a collection of his essays over the years of sort of journalism and travel writing, and, and that's wonderful because almost everywhere that you could possibly go, Solomon has been and has done something slightly more interesting than you're going to do that I as also well. love the way in that book that he's occasionally, he's grappling with sort of, you know, dissident artists in China or something like that. And it's, or Russia, and he's really sort of deep in the culture. And the next minute, it's very clear that he's on a kind of glossy magazine assignment on board a sort of yacht in the Mediterranean. And the tone changes brilliantly, although he brings the same, you know, eye and the same love of writing to both of them. Yeah. Though, of course, if you're 
going on a cruise, you just have to take David Foster Wallace's as a basically something I'll never do again. <laughs> actually, you wonderfully know, funny I essay. I have about... been on a cruise, which was, and I actually loved the kind of quiet reading that one did, one did on it. And I read the the Moonstone on a cruise, and I think something absorbing and old that's very unlike your surroundings can also be be fun. Well, we should maybe just just pile in a, a couple more recommendations each because I think probably our time is coming to the end, but. Damien, what have you got anything more up your sleeve that you think? I mean, maybe something that's being published now or nowabouts, or a fictional non-fiction. That... I think see what I have done by Sarah Schmidt, the the novelisation of the Lizzie Borden axe murders. Again, you know, I think it fits a lot of the criteria we've been talking about. It's it's thrillerish. It's absorbing. It's an, it's a whole other world. It's a voice that you can that you can hear in your head, and it has a kind of a, a bit of a historical legitimacy about it. It's very well written. I love the look of that. Enjoyable. Actually, yeah. so I, I I would think that that's a great holiday read for this. Lizzie year. Borden, who took took an axe and gave her parents forty wax. Exactly the very same one. That's a cheering recommendation. Oh, it's really good fun. I mean, because it's, it's all about the family. It's very it's very domestic. Yeah, and, not in a good um, way. <laughs> well. I mean, it's not cheering, but but I mean, it's hugely enjoyable. It's hugely, hugely it enjoyable. It so, I mean, I think if you enjoyed listening to Serial, for example, you would want the fact of a body. But if you want something that's a bit more, a bit more historical, then I I think see what I have done is is a cracker. Lots also, of dead bodies. Also, on a different note, um, Tin Man, um, by Sarah Winman is, but that will make you cry. Definitely will make you cry. That's all right on a holiday. Um, I have got three very quickly. Um, The Fall Guy by James Lasden, which has that kind of Highsmithish, Nabokovian and on holiday in a kind of upscale place with a very rich family, really kind of weird and fallible narratory. I love that. Amanda Craig's Lie of the Land, which I did read on holiday and I think is a brilliant holiday read because it is hugely propulsive and engaging and has that bit of sort of narrative soap opera about it but he's actually also kind of very clever kind of yes post, that's just something nasty in the woodshed sort of, yeah well, really, yeah, really mean, good book or compost pile as it is I think and the book, now this is going to sound terrible but this is a book that is coming out in a couple of weeks by Bernard McClaverty Midwinter Break and I can't lie it's about a couple whose marriage may or may not be coming to an end after many years and their midwinter break in Amsterdam and it's kind of depressing, but I was so glued to it. It's one of the best books I've read all year. Oh, wonderful. So I heartily recommend that. Excellent. Well, what, what, what was I going to add? I, I, I have to throw in a plug for Francis Spufford's Golden Hill because I was involved oh, in delicious. judging the prize. It's just one, but Absolutely. it's an incredibly Brilliant. enjoyable, funny, propulsive story about... It's a sort of 18th century picaresque adventure story in in Manhattan when Manhattan wasn't Manhattan and nobody I've recommended to hasn't loved it so far and I was looking forward to possibly just rereading the classics by way of the modern world because there's a huge trend now for people rewriting classical stories and there's sort of three Mm. that have come out recently or or one's just about to come out is Carmela Shamsi's Home Fire which apparently is a retelling of the Antigone story and comes festooned with praise and I think Carmela Shamsi is always always worth reading and then David Van's Bright Air Black is a retelling of Medea, and Natalie Haynes's Children of Jocasta is a retelling of Oedipus. So you can pretty much get the classics in three modern novels. If you and let's not forget, forget Contoy Bean. And Contoy Bean, of you course. Know, yes. Retelling of Clytemnestra Agamemnon. Of course. So there's four, in fact. I should have put Colm in there. Well, I think that's probably enough to be going on with, given the Ryanair luggage restrictions, as previously mentioned. Alex Clark, Damien Barr, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And happy holidays. Thank you. 
And in this week's magazine, the book section leads off with Mick Brown writing about Danny Goldberg's book about 1967 and the hippie revolution and the way that all disintegrated in a mass of pot and occasionally banana skin smoke. Graham Robb, meanwhile, investigates limestone country. Fiona Sampson's new book about living on limestone. Alan Judd investigates some of the traitors in the Second World War. Daniel Hahn reviews Daniel Kelman's brilliantly spooky new novella. And we have Sir Henry Keswick, the Taipan of Jardine Matheson, giving his own slightly salty account of Chris Patton and their disagreements. <laughs> 